is it better or worse to put this on? <laughs> so I was really grateful to the Lord. And grateful to see all of you guys here. What a blessing. Let's pray. Father, we come before you right now, Lord. And Father, we ask you, cleanse our heart. Forgive us of sin. Lord, I thank you for just that hunger and that desire to grow and to learn and to become more like you. And so, Lord, I just ask that as we learn about Abraham, as we learn about his boldness, Lord, that you would teach us how to become more bold, how that we can enter into that throne room and that we can just um, spend quality time with you spend an awesome amount of time with you. Not that we would get our 10 minutes of prayer in and then go along our merry way, but Lord, that we would lose sight of time as we spend time with you, Lord. And so, Father, we praise you and we thank you. We just uh, lift this study to you, Lord, and we ask that uh, your Holy Spirit would manifest himself and would teach us tonight, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So tonight, obviously, you guys uh, were in your groups, and um, we're studying Genesis 18. Lord, teach me to pray with boldness. And as we have explored the different avenues of prayer, such as the disciples who came to the Lord and asked the Lord, Lord, teach us to pray. Or as we examined a desperate father who sought the Lord and learned that faith is believing all things are possible. And then we learned about Nehemiah who was broken at the thought of his country's condition, and he called upon God with a humble heart. And then I love this story. I've always loved this story because it's like against all odds. Um, When we learned of Hezekiah, despite his incredible fear because of military force so great that threatened his kingdom, that there was no way humanly possible that they could have defended themselves. And through his great fear, He went before the Lord. What do you do when you're fearful? I'm calling up this person. I'm trying to figure out. You know, as moms and as women, we try to just figure things out. There comes a point where we can't figure things out. Hezekiah could not figure anything out. And he brought his fear before the Lord. What a great example. This evening, we're going to look at how Abraham was incredibly bold on behalf of a wicked city, Sodom and Gomorrah. As he sought God, Abraham's access in knowing the Lord personally and being obedient to his will and trusting God by faith gave him amazing access. God has called us to be people of prayer. Communication on the level on this level is one of the most intimate fellowships that we are honored. And let me stress, we are honored to encounter with our Savior. Through prayer, we discover um, the goodness and the personal devotion of God. Abraham, in his relationship with the Lord, was close enough to learn his secrets and to know what and how to pray. This particular event uh, in Abraham's life began with a visit from the Lord and two angels. And Abraham refreshed them, and he gave them um, a meal to eat. Um, In the course of their visit... The Lord revealed that this time next year, Sarah would have a child. Now, if you know anything about Abraham, he's 99 years old. He's been waiting for this promised child for an awfully long time. So you can't, you can't even imagine the joy and the excitement that when he heard this. And, and Sarah's listening, listening on the other side. And we've all been guilty of that. You know, and she, she's listening and she hears it and she laughs. And the Lord says, why did Sarah laugh? I didn't laugh. I can imagine saying, I didn't laugh. 
But you did laugh. And he says, is anything too hard for God? And think about that, ladies, when you're in some of the most stressful times of your life. Is anything too hard for God? Nothing is too hard for God. Upon that declaration, God states in Genesis 18, verses 17, and this is where we're going to pick up the story. Um, God said, shall I hide from Abraham what I am doing? The fact that God reveals anything to us is a wonder in itself. In Psalms 8, verse 4, it says, what is man that you are mindful of him? But it is the Lord's desire to reveal himself. It is the Lord's desire to reveal to you the power, the strength, the goodness, the peace, the joy that he desires to impart upon every one of us. And it's as you grow in your knowledge of God, as you spend time in his word, as you spend time in prayer, that you learn these things that God wants to impart and to reveal to you. Just Sunday night, I was talking to Anna Coulson, and she was telling me about this situation that she needed to know a certain situation. She needed to know this situation. And God just revealed it to her. He just plainly revealed it as the nose on your face. There's no way she could have known this situation unless God revealed it to her. This is what, this is the type of God we serve. This is the type of God who desires to reveal things to you and I. We're told in Amos 3 verse 7, surely the Lord God does nothing unless he reveals his secrets to his servants and the prophets. That's you and I. We're his servants. He desires to reveal things about him, about what's coming upon this world, about what's coming upon your life. He desires to reveal to you. In Psalms 25, verse 14, the secret of the Lord is with those who fear him, and he will show him his covenant. Do you fear him? Do you have a reverence for him? Then he desires to reveal himself to you. We're going to learn Abraham's faith has given him a a special position with the Lord, just as your faith gives you a special uh, position before the Lord. God testified of Abraham in Genesis 18, verse 19, and I love it. This is what God says about Abraham. Since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I have known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him, that they may keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice, that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. In Luke 12, verse 48, God tells us, too much is given, much is required. God understood that his principles and his actions that were to be passed down to Abraham's children. Abraham was privileged to have an awesome, an incredibly awesome relationship with God. God revealed his secrets to him. God expects Abraham to pass those secrets, pass his word to his children. Too much is given, much is required. God said it right here that he would pass it on to his children. Why? That they might be righteous and then they might be justice. This is what God desires. Um, This is what God wanted to do in his life. We as believers, as Christian believers, have been given incredible responsibility because we've been given incredible privilege because you and I are the daughters of the king. We belong to God. We are his daughters. 
And as we walk with God, he imparts his wisdom and his knowledge, and God expects us to be responsible with that. I will never forget, as a young Christian, someone sharing with me that Christianity is one generation away from extinction. I cannot tell you the urgency that I had to minister to my children God's word and to pass on God's word to my children so that they would know God's word. I wanted my children to have a heritage. I didn't have it. I didn't have it as a kid. My parents were moral, but they weren't Christians. Today, it is absolutely essential. It is critical that we pass on God's principles to our children. And now I've lived long enough to see that my children are passing on their heritage to their children. They're passing on those same godly principles that I've passed on to them. I love it. I absolutely love it. I feel like I'm passing the baton, and I'm watching God do a work in the next generation. I see it with many of the, the kids that grew up here, Anik, Brooke, so many of you guys. It is amazing to watch the, the baton being passed and to see how God is ministering to the next generation as we live those principles. Uh, Abraham's relationship with God allows him incredible access to God's secrets, and God reveals to Abraham the fate of Sodom and Gomorrah. Listen to verses 20 through 23. Because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grave, I will do, I will go down now and see whether they have altogether according to the outcry against it that has come to me, and if not, I will know. Then the men turned away from there and went towards Sodom, but Abraham still before the Lord. And Abraham came near and said, Would you destroy the righteous with the wicked? Abraham's response could have been, Wow, that's really terrible about Sodom and Gomorrah, but I'm so happy right now about having a child. How many of us, how many of us, seriously, you've had something exciting happen in your life? And someone comes along and shares a woe that they have. And you're like, oh, really? I'm so sorry. But you're so happy about something else that's going on. Abraham could have felt that way. But he didn't. It says that he stood still before the God. He stood still before him. Abraham is not thinking of himself. Abraham is still before the Lord. Abraham's ability to pray on behalf of others is his friendship with God. And you learned in your homework about his friendship before the Lord. James 2, verse 23 says, Abraham believed God and it was counted him uh, for righteousness and he was called the friend of God. And he was called the friend of God in virtue of his strong obedience to the Lord and his strong faith before the Lord. Uh, Jesus said to his disciples in John 15, verse 15, No longer do I call your servants, servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. You see, we're not servants. We're friends. We're friends of an awesome God. That's, what, that's the relationship you and I are pulled into as we walk with God. This is the relationship Abraham had with God. Friendships hold a far different relationship than that of a stranger or just an acquaintance. Have you ever noticed when you meet somebody and you're kind of an acquaintance, you're just like, oh, hi, you're polite, you know, but you don't really know them. But when you know someone, 
You can share some incredible details. You can be honest with them. And you know that they're going to pray for you. You know that they're going to love you. We read that the Lord lingers with Abraham as the two angels left for Sodom and Gomorrah, which reveals the Lord's righteousness and his mercy as the patriarch pleads in prayer. Abraham belongs to a select company of God's people known as intercessors, individuals like Moses, like Samuel, like Elijah, like Jeremiah, like the apostles, like Paul, like the Lord himself. That's an elite group. I want to be a part of that group. You don't know these people? Study them. Open your Bible and look at the lives of these people who knew how to pray for different situations and different persons. And I think about the Lord himself. In fact, our Lord's ministry today in heaven is a ministry of intercession. In Romans 8, verse 34, it says, It is Christ who died, and furthermore, it is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. He is at the right hand of the Father, making intercession. When the accuser, Satan, comes and accuses you with whatever fault you have, and Lord knows we have many, God says, or Jesus says, "Mm -mm, she's mine, Lord. She belongs to me. He's making intercession for you and I. We are never more like our Lord than than when we are coming before the Lord for others. I love that. I want to be like him. I want to come before the throne of God for others. Sure, we pray for ourselves, but if that's all you're praying for, we've got problems. We're to come before the Lord for others. Charles Spurgeon stated, If the lost sinner will not hear you speak, they cannot prevent your praying. He said, Do they laugh at your warnings? They cannot disturb your prayers. Many people don't want to hear what you have to say. But there's nothing they can do about when you go to him in prayer. E.M. Bounds states, Around us is a world lost in sin. Above us is a God willing and able to save. It is ours to build the bridge that links heaven and earth. And prayer is the mighty instrument that does that work. If we will do our part, God will do his. Isn't that what happened when Abraham lingered with God, and he prayed for Sodom and Gomorrah. There are times you and I will be bold collectively as we pray as a group. But primarily, your boldness is done alone between you and the Lord, where nobody else is. After God revealed the fate of Sodom and Gomorrah, as Abraham was alone with God, Abraham came near. Listen again. Then the men turned away. From, uh, from there and went towards Sodom. And Abraham stood still before the Lord. And Abraham came near. Let me stress, our intercession is done alone between you and the Lord. It is something very private. Many of you saw the, room, uh, saw the movie War Room. I loved it. I loved the truth that they shared in that. If you haven't had a chance to go see it, go see it. It's so important that you understand how important your prayer closet is. As you go into that closet and you shut the door and it's just you and God and you begin to intercede or you begin to pray for your needs as well as others. It's so important. We read Abraham came near. We have that same privilege to come near 
to pray for others for, the, uh, for their benefits, whatever. Abraham came near not only physically but spiritually. We're told in Hebrews 10, verse 22, Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Who do you turn to in time of need? A friend, an organization, a family member? And really, many times when you go to that friend or that family member, they're able to pray with you, but they're limitless. Maybe their resources are limited. But you serve a limitless God. He is able to do abundantly above more than you ask or think. So when you come near to God for a need, you don't have to always include somebody else. It's you and God. You come near uh, with a full assurance of faith. We're told to come boldly to the throne of grace in time of need. Hebrews 4 verse 16 says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Ephesians 3 verse 12 says, In whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. He says you can boldly come before him. I love Hebrews 10 verse 19 uh, through 22. It says, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil which is his flesh and having a high priest over the house of God let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith this is one of the reasons he came and he died for us that we may enter in with confidence with boldness with a full assurance Listen to Abraham's words as he draws near. In verse, uh, the latter part of verse 23 through 25, would you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there were 50 righteous within the city. Would you also destroy the place and not spare it for the 50 righteous that were in it? Far be it. Listen to Abraham's words. Far be it. For you to do such a thing as this, to slay the righteous with the wicked, so that the righteous should be as the wicked, far be it for you. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Abraham's holy boldness expresses an intimate confidence and familiarity uh, as he entreats the Lord in this prayer. Because Abraham knew God, his prayer was not based on the mercy of God but on the justice of God. You see, Abraham knew his God. He served a God who was just. Abraham recognized that God cannot kill the evil with the good. And so this is the basis as Abraham comes boldly before God. Abraham said, Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? It states in Deuteronomy 32, verse 4, He is the rock. His work is perfect, for all his ways are justice, a God of truth. And without injustice, righteous and upright is he. Abraham knew his God to be a God of justice. This is one example of why it is so important that you know God. A just and holy God could never destroy the righteous believers with the wicked unbelievers. God, Abraham knew this. Abraham knew this to be true. This is why it's so important that you pick up your Bible, that you read your Bible. I love because several years ago, we did a study on the names of God. All those names of God represent the needs of different situations in men's lives at that time. 
And in knowing the names of God, you understand who God is. You get a clearer picture. The longer you walk with God, the clearer that picture becomes. That's why it's so important that you be men and women of the word of God, that you understand what God is trying to minister to you. Know him. Know, and then you will know how to pray. I always... You know, you always think of, you know, um, I think of the, uh, this young girl who comes in and, and she wants to get married and she's met this young man and he's a great guy and she says, will you pray for me? He's not a believer, but will you pray that the, that the God would put us together? And I can look at her and I can say, no, I can't pray that. God says not to be unequally yoked. You, how do I know that? Because I know my God. How do I know that my God says that? Because it's in his word. You can get more clarity as you pray if you know what God's word says. It gives you a fuller understanding of his word. Um, This is why it's important to know God's word. Abraham was not only interested in Lot, but he was interested if there be any others there. In response, God said in verse 26, If I find in Sodom 50 righteous within the city, then I will spare all. All the place for their sakes. God's response uh, response was prompt. Abraham uh, was, because of this response, I love it. Abraham steps a little further. He says in verse 27, Then Abraham answered and said, Indeed now I am but dust and ashes, and have taken upon myself to speak to the Lord. Notice how Abraham addresses himself. He says, I am but dust and ashes, and I'm going to take it upon myself to speak one more time. Suppose there were five less than 50 righteous. Would you destroy all the city for the lack of five? So he said, speaking of God, if I find there 45, I will not destroy it. And he spoke to him yet again and said, suppose there be 40 found there. So God said, I will not do it for the sake of 40. Then Abraham said, let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak. Suppose there be 30 that there be found there. And God said, I will not destroy it if I find 30. Notice how Abraham continues to step forth in boldness as he seeks the Lord. Let me ask this one more thing. Sodom and Gomorrah had no idea, had no idea as Abraham is interceding for this city. Abraham asks with a strained mixture of humility and boldness. Abraham questions the Lord's anger and acknowledges his personal unworthiness. Because you're bold before the Lord doesn't mean you're arrogant. I don't read anywhere in these verses where Abraham's arrogant. He's humble. I wouldn't be surprised if he was on his face before the Lord. Ecclesiastes 5 verse 2 tells us, Do not be rash with your mouth, and let not your heart utter anything hastily before God. For God is in heaven, and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. Be careful how you approach God. Oh, I've been a Christian for 10 years. I can talk to God like this. We're like this. You don't talk to God like that. You be very careful how you talk to God. 
We learned from Noreen's study when the disciples asked, Lord, teach us to pray, that one of the first principles we learned is, hallow it be your name. The word hallow it means to render or pronounce holy. We are addressing a holy God. We can never, ever, ladies, lose sight of that. Abraham is reverent as he states, I am but dust and ashes. He recognized that he's nothing. Do you know what dust and ashes? That's what I'm sweeping from my fireplace. That's what I'm sweeping from my floor. This is what Abraham says. I am but dust and ashes as I approach you. I understand I am nothing. I understand that you are all and everything as he approaches him. Jacob himself also approached God with a reverence. In Genesis 32, verse 10, he says, I am not worthy of the least of all the mercies and all the truth which you have shown your servant. David also was reverent. Listen to his words in 2 Samuel 7, verse 18. Then King David, and we all know about David. God says that David is a man after God's own heart. David was an incredible man. David went in and sat before the Lord, and he said, Who am I, O Lord God, and what is my house that you have brought me thus far? Don't we all feel that way when we understand what God saved us from? Who am I, Lord, that I see some of my friends that have never accepted you, family members that never accepted you? Who am I that I am called to the kingdom, that I belong to you? Who am I? I think about the the centurion who asked for a healing for their servant from Jesus. And when Jesus was going to heal, the centurion sent a servant and had them tell Jesus, don't come under my roof. My house is not worthy that you come. If you just say the word, I know that that servant will be healed. The reverence that centurion had. Abraham was reverent. Yet he was bold with a passion. Matter of fact, I love Abraham's passion as he continued to intercede uh, uh, for, um, for Sodom and Gomorrah, as he interceded for the lost. Our God is concerned with the lost. You'll remember the story of Cain and Abel? It was the first murder that took place. Cain murdered his brother. God put a mark on Cain's head, on his forehead, so that no one could harm him. Why did God do that? Because God loved Cain. God wanted Cain to repent. God wants every evil person that you and I are aware of to repent. When you think of ISIS, God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. It tells us in 2 Peter chapter 3. He's not willing that ISIS go to hell. But because of their disobedience, because of their lifestyle, they will if they don't repent. Abraham's increasing in his boldness as God abounded in his grace. Abraham continues his plea with greater passion as he boldly continues his prayer before God. It states in verse 31, And Abraham said, Indeed, now I have taken it upon myself to speak to the Lord. Suppose 20 should be found there. And God said, I will not destroy it for the sake of 20. Abraham being emboldened, speaks even further in his prayer before the Lord. Abraham states in verses 32 and 33, Let not the Lord be angry. I will speak but once more. Suppose ten should be found there. 
And he said, God said, I will not destroy it for the sake of ten. So the Lord went his way as soon as he had finished speaking with Abraham, and Abraham returned to his place. Because Abraham drew near to the Lord and prayed according to God's revealed nature and will, God agrees. What was Abraham praying? God's heart. Because Abraham knew God. He was able to be bold because he knew God's heart. He knew the will of God, and God agreed. This is why Abraham could be bold. He prayed according to his will. Prayer is effective because we pray with the knowledge of who God is and how God would show himself in a particular situation. When we pray, it's not a passive spectator in what God is doing, but acts as if it must remind God in prayer. How many times have we prayed using God's word as we go to prayer? I read that Amy Carmichael made a habit of collecting short prayers written through the Bible. When a need arose, she would pray God's word to him. She automatically, as she, as she went through and read God's word, she would automatically mark through the different prayers, and then she would adapt, adopt those prayers, and she would pray. I know that for many times when somebody comes to me, maybe a person will come and say, you know, I really have a problem with my mouth. Can you just pray for my mouth? And I'll pray, Lord, give her the tongue of the learn. Lord, put the law of kindness upon her lips. Or maybe somebody will come in fear. And I'll pray, Lord, you've not given them a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Do you see how powerful the word of God is? I am praying God's revealed word. How, how much more powerful can that be? It is powerful to pray the word of God. The cities of Sodom and Gomorrah were vile, and they were extremely wicked. Why would Abraham care about these cities? Many of us would say, wipe them out. How many times do we look at the Middle East in certain sections? Be done with it. Throw a big bomb and finish it. Abraham had the heart of God. Abraham knew the will of God, and that is to pray. That is to seek uh, for the lost. 1 Timothy uh, chapter 2, verse 4 says, Who desires all men to be, see, to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Ezekiel 33, verse 11, which is just like in my mind as I think of the wicked. God says, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but the wicked turn from their evil way and live. That's what God desires, is that the wicked turn. Regardless of sin, any sin, it will send us to hell. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. As we, must, as we pray, we must have a compassionate heart and have a deep concern for the salvation of the lost, no matter what their sin, no matter how small, no matter how, how great we need to pray. Uh, I think about our own country and the biblical principles that our country was founded on. And yet, because we've kicked God out, because we've kicked out those biblical principles, look at how far our country has fallen. The wickedness, the perversity that goes on, that it's shameless. They're proud of their perverseness. And it's all because we don't want anything to do with God. We are reaping incredible wickedness. And what does God want us to do about it? 
He wants us to pray for our country. He wants us to hold up our country because they, they have no idea how wicked they really are because they've strayed so far. God's people have the responsibility of intercessory prayer for the lost and of a uh, consistent spiritual witness to them, warning them of the wrath to come. What we take away from Abraham's boldness are four principles in his prayer. First, Abraham's prayer is bold, but it's a modest prayer. Nowhere in his prayer does Abraham ask why or demand God to explain himself. I will never, and I'm sure some of you have heard this before, I will never forget being at a retreat. And as we were praying, some of the women would were, were in anguish, and some of them were praying, God, why? It's not for us to question. Some of it's, it's reaping and sowing. Some of it, I don't know, but it's not God's fault. I'm not going to blame God. We are encouraged knowing that prayer is a means of God's working and that he delights to hear and answer the petition of his saints. As we acknowledge his sovereign rule and as we seek him with a boldness in our prayer. Second, Abraham's prayer is bold, but it's a humble prayer. Remember, Abraham said, I am nothing but dust and ashes. Each time Abraham approached God, it was done in bold humility as he presented himself on behalf of others. He's not proud, he's not arrogant, and he's not entitled. Third, Abraham's prayer is a bold for a persistent prayer. Abraham intercedes for Sodom six times. With each intercession, Abraham was inspired and dared to go further. You can't miss the persistence of Abraham's intercession. He didn't give up at 50, 40, 30. He continued. He persisted. He prayed with a bold persistence. We must pray as if everything depends upon our prayer. Not half-hearted prayers, but you have to have a real concern, a real heart. Abraham had a real heart to pray for Sodom and Gomorrah. How can we ever pray with boldness if we don't have a heart to really even enter into prayer? Abraham prayed six times. We are sometimes called to pray for years for a situation. Do we pray with complacency or do we pray with a bold, persistent prayer? I've told you about the story of Dr. Schofield. Some of you have the Schofield Bible. Dr. Schofield's mother prayed for him. He was a successful uh, international lawyer, but an alcoholic. He was a drunk. And she prayed for him and prayed for him until she went home to be with the Lord. After she died, he came to know the Lord. You have no idea what your prayers can do. We have no idea. Just because we don't get to witness it doesn't mean God isn't at work. Some of you are praying for your children. I prayed 14 years, my husband and I, for our son. 14 years I watched him make one mistake after another. I told him, you're literally groping in the darkness. 14 years later, I saw him come back to the Lord. This young man is so strong in the Lord today. Our country, sometimes we don't want to pray for our country. Sometimes we don't want to pray for our president. Sometimes we don't want to pray for those who have authority over us. God wants us to pray. God desires that you pray and that you be persistent. 
Is it six times? Mm, I think not. I think more. How far have you dared to be bold on the behalf of others? Fourth, Abraham's prayer is bold, but it's a persuasive prayer. It was persuasive in that he pleaded God's own character and glory. Abraham was jealous for God's honor. He argued that the honor of God would be marred in men's mind if the, if the righteous were to perish with the guilty. This was the essential meaning as Abraham states, Will not the judge of all the earth do right? Abraham pleaded no merit in himself, but argued that God must be seen and known to do right, which would not be the case if the righteous were to perish with the guilty. There were not even ten righteous in the city of Sodom and Gomorrah, only four. The city was destroyed, yet God specifically revealed the fate of of these cities to Abraham to draw out of him an intercessor's heart, a heart of love. This was the heart of a great leader. This uh, This was what was great, this nation, Israel, and it started from Abraham. And God used Abraham. What an incredible example Abraham was. Sodom and Gomorrah could have been saved if there were ten righteous. There were not ten. How much the wicked owe to the righteous for the sake of God's people. Blessings have been given to the utterly undeserving and judgments uh, have been averted from those who otherwise would have perished. But God has his people praying for those individuals. I will never forget ministering to a young lady who came in for counseling. And as she came in, she was married, and they were living with her husband's in-laws, with with her in-laws. And nobody was a Christian except her and her husband. And I remember sharing with her, you have no idea the light that you have brought to this house. This household has light because of you. And when they were getting ready to move, I remember sharing the darkness that will come back over this family because the Christians would be removed. And I often think about that with the second coming of the Lord. What is going to happen to this world when God removes the Christians? How dark will this place be? Because we're here. Because we're praying. Because we're witnessing. Because we're being an example of Jesus. Meyer writes, ungodly men little realize how much they owe to the presence of the children of God in their midst. Yet God did spare the righteous. In the 19th chapter of Genesis, we read that the city could, uh, could not be destroyed until Lot and his family were removed. So you see, God did answer in spite. He removed the righteous because God couldn't destroy Sodom and Gomorrah unless the righteous were removed. And if you read that story, it's like the angels are dragging him out. Get out! We can't. Do what we're supposed to do until you guys are gone. You see the importance of how important that we go before the Lord, that we go in boldness. I love his passion, his boldness to boldly six times. Took it from the number 50 all the way to 10 because he pleaded. Because he came before God in boldness. May we have that boldness as we go before the Lord, as we pray, as we intercede for others. Because I'll tell you what, we're living in dark times. 
Who else is going to pray if we don't? Who else is going to seek the lost if we don't? If we don't hold them up to God? Let's pray. Father, we come before you right now, Lord. And Father, we thank you for your goodness, for your grace, for your justice, for your mercy, for the hope that you give to us. Lord, I pray as we look at Abraham, as we look at his example of prayer, as we look at his boldness to six times petition for a wicked city. Lord, I look at our own country. It's wicked. It's perverse. Lord, help us to hold our country in prayer, to be bold and to come before you, because that is your desire. Your desire is that we turn. God, your word says, if my people, which are called by my name, will turn from their wicked ways, I will heal their land. Lord, give us hearts to pray in this way for our country and for our loved ones and for those that we come in contact with. So, Father, thank you for the example that you've given to us in Abraham. So, Lord, we just look with great expectation of who we're going to be looking at next week. Thank you, Jesus, for the people that you have put, that we can learn from these people and that we can grow. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. God bless you, ladies.